generally, I do see people who already have a concept or an idea. Um, they maybe are now looking for some guidance. So I want to talk a little bit about a business plan, what it is, what, what should be included in it, in order to give a bit of a roadmap, especially to a lender. Um, so the, the business plan itself is a document that should describe who you are, um, what you plan to achieve, how you plan to kind of overcome different risks, um, and what your returns are gonna look like. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of the Tax Chick Podcast. Today, I have my friend Candace on, and Candace is a senior account manager at BDC. Candace and I have had lots of conversations over the last year or so that we've known each other about entrepreneurship and developing and growing your business. And I thought she would be such a great guest to have on the podcast today because I wanted to share some information with entrepreneurs about the concept of financing and how financing intersects with your business. And Candace is going to provide a lot of great information today about business plans and working with your banker. And she's all about the team and the collaborative approach. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. But before we jump into the episode, I just wanted to give a little bit of information about Candace. So Candace is a senior account manager at BDC. And she helps companies grow and develop through term loan financing and advice for startup ventures. She also helps with commercial property purchases and construction. She talks with you about working capital and equipment financing. She works with her clients to find unique solutions to fit their needs and goals for their business, whether they're a startup or an existing company. Candace is a fellow graduate of uh, the University of Saskatchewan. She has her Bachelor of Commerce degree in finance from the Edwards School of Business, and she has been working in the banking and finance industry in various roles since 2006 and has been specializing in commercial financing since 2010. She has worked at HSBC, RBC, and now at BDC. In her spare time, she loves spending time with her 18-month-old daughter and her husband. She loves playing volleyball and golf and volunteering her time organizing an annual golf tournament for Easter Seals, Saskatchewan. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation today, and I'm going to put some more information about Candace in the show notes in case there's any follow-up questions that people have after hearing this episode. So without further ado, here is our episode. Welcome, Candace, to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today. Thank you, Amanda. I am very excited to join you today and, and talk to everybody on your podcast. Well, and it's funny because we're both working from home and we live like blocks away from each other. So had it not been COVID, we maybe could have gotten together and done this in person. But oh, well, at least we're able to see each other today as we're doing this. Yes, that would have been nice to be able to get together. But maybe sometime in the future, we can do another one and then we can be together. (laughs) Absolutely. That would be so fun. So uh, you and I have talked a little bit, and I know that you you do listen to the podcast, so you know I always ask my guests the same two questions. So I gave you the warning, um, and I'm really excited to hear your answers. So let's let's dive right in. So question number one <laughs> is, what is the last podcast you listened to or your favorite podcast? Okay. Well, other than your podcast, because <laughs> I know <laughs> this is a funny discussion between you and I, um, I don't listen to too many podcasts just because I find I don't necessarily have the um, the 
space time now where I used to be able to listen to podcasts. So I used to be able to listen to them on the drive to work or the drive home from work. And obviously with working from home, that's not something we're able to do anymore. Um, and I can't listen to podcasts while I'm working because I get a little bit too distracted in, in the topics. And so I might uh, might not be able to you know focus on what I'm doing. But so I listen to the tax trick podcast when I have the opportunity. Um, and previously, when I used to drive to and from work, I used to listen to the Nutrition Facts podcast. I found that one to be very interesting. Um, and then most recently, I've listened to a Respectful Parenting podcast because I am a new mom. So just learning new things about how to, how to parent because there's definitely no instruction book on how to do that. But uh, those, those would be kind of the, the ones that, I, that I'm listening to right now. Well, thank you. I always learn about new podcasts every time somebody is on. And I had not heard about Nutrition Facts podcast. So I'm going to check that one out. And I don't have children. But if I do, I'm going to keep respectful parenting in mind. That's very good to know. And I know we have lots of parents who are listening to this. So it's helpful to know those options. I'm going to put this info in the show notes. And I swear to any of our listeners here, I did not pay Candace to say that she listens to my podcast. <laughs> so, so our other question is, what is the emoji that you use most often when texting? I found this one interesting because it has been talked about before on your podcast. I The most popular one I use is the red heart emoji. And I know in previous ones, you guys have talked about the color of the heart and the red being pretty an intense one. But uh, I use the red heart emoji. And then I was looking at my phone and my second most used one is the crying emoji. So... <laughs> Is that like crying laughing or crying crying? No, like crying crying. So I'm oh, not no. sure. I obviously am using that one a lot right now, which is, you know, maybe that's a little bit concerning or telling, but uh, but obviously the heart is the most used one. So I think that's maybe the focus is that I like to give out lots of red hearts in my, in my texting. <laughs> that's very nice. I feel like ever since I started talking to podcast guests about the hearts, now when I go to do it, I always stop and think, oh, is this too intense? And I, I sometimes downgrade it to the two little pink hearts because that just seems less intense. But I used to be a red heart girl too. So yeah, I, I feel you. Intense hearts all the way. That's that's viral. (laughs) Well, you're going to show a lot of love today to our listeners by giving them so much great information. Um, I'm really excited about this. And you and I were talking and I said to you, I I feel like I always get excited about all of my episodes. But you and I have been talking about this one for a long time now. We've been scheming and brainstorming. And I mean, I... I know what you do for a living, but you and I have never really had a client together or ever had discussions. And so I'm really excited to hear what you have to say today because I think I'm going to learn a lot from this discussion as well. And part of why we're talking today is that we know that there's a lot of people listening to this who are entrepreneurs who are starting their business. And then there are other groups of people who have been in business for a while and they might be in that growth phase. They might be looking to move to the next level. And one of the discussions that's so sort of uncomfortable sometimes is the financing discussion and the planning discussion of how we move from one stage to another. And it turns out you have a lot of expertise in this. And so we thought we'd talk about three things today. We were going to start talking first about if you're a new entrepreneur and you're just starting up your business, you know, what are some of the things you need to keep in mind? So what is a business plan? Why do you need one? What should be in your business plan? And then what are some financing needs that you might have? 
And then switching into that discussion of growth. So if you've had this established business for a while and now you're kind of going to the next phase, what are some things that you need to keep in mind? And then you promised me you were going to wrap it up with some tips. You're going to give us some some really quick, fast fire tips for entrepreneurs. So I'm going to try to keep us on time because I think I'm going to get excited and I'm going to ask you lots of questions. But we're going to try to do our best to keep this in in a reasonable time. And we'll just have to have you back if there's more that we have to talk about. You bet. Sounds good. (laughs) Sounds good. So should we jump right into topic number one? You've got a new entrepreneur coming in to see you. They're starting up their business. What do you want to tell them? Yeah. Okay. Well, definitely, um, you know, in my role and and throughout my career, I've dealt with a lot of different entrepreneurs, but um, quite frequently I see entrepreneurs that are just starting a business. Um, Generally, I do see people who already have a concept or an idea. Um, They maybe are now looking for some guidance. So I want to talk a little bit about a business plan, what it is, what what should be included in it, in order to give a bit of a roadmap, especially to a lender. Um, so the, the business plan itself is a document that should describe who you are, um, what you plan to achieve, how you plan to kind of overcome different risks, um, and what your returns are going to look like. Um, so Sometimes people think a business plan um, is very, very big and very daunting, but you really don't need to look at it from that perspective. Um, So make it thorough, but keep it simple at the same time um, and and make sure that it's a a concise, well-structured document um, in order to give us, I guess, an idea as to what your project is really going to look like. So within your um, business plan itself, again, who are you? What are you doing? What are you going to sell? And what are your plans for growth? But really make sure you're clear on the fact of what is my what is my unique selling point? What makes me or my business um, unique in the marketplace? Because there is lots of competition out there. So we need to really clearly define what sets you apart from others because that's also going to help drive your marketing strategy as well so once you've really kind of figured out who you are and what makes you different it allows you to really target your your customer it allows you to really understand who your competition is and then also really have a clear understanding as to what sort of distribution you're going to use in order to get out to your customers so um, you're going to do simple things too like outlaying uh, your organizational structure who are your key management people that you're going to have in place Um, do you have any outside um, consultants or professionals that are involved Um, We're going to want to see your HR strategy or HR requirements. Are you going to need to hire X number of full-time people, X number of part-time people? Um, What are their responsibilities going to be as well as your responsibilities? Are you going to need to lease a space um, or are you kind of a home office type of business? We're going to want to see things like um, key financial data. So this is probably a big a uh, big chunk of information that's going to be really important for your bank. So they're going to want to see at least a minimum of two years of cash flow projections for your business. And so for a lot of entrepreneurs out there, um, 
this section is usually pretty scary uh, because a lot of people are not familiar with what a cash flow projection looks like, how to even start, what to include in there. Um, so a lot of your a lot of your institutions that you would be working with, including my institution that I work with, we have on our website um, a template that people can download to give you a, definitely a starting point, but a framework to build off of. So go ahead. That makes me feel better. I was just about to interrupt and be like, where, where is the template? Because if somebody asks me for a cash flow projection, I would be running to my advisor. So we will put in the show notes um, the template that's available for your institution just to give people a bit of an idea. And so if we think about sort of an individual coming in, um, it's just them. They're a sole proprietor. They're just kind of starting up. What types of things would they be worried about? Because at that point, they might not have employees. They might be sort of doing something from their home. Why would they be needing a business plan? And why would they be coming to sort of see one of the institutions? Yeah, I guess the the key there is a business plan. When we're asking to see something like that, it really is providing us a roadmap for what you envision your business is going to look like. But not only is it for your financial institution, your your business plan is something that is a living, breathing document for many years to come. So it's something that you should continually evolve um, as your business grows. So uh, sometimes people say, you know, nothing's real until you write it down or you put it down on paper. And so when you're actually writing out your business plan, this is something that's going to hold you accountable going forward into your future. This is what I said I was going to do and I haven't done it. Or this is what I said I'm going to do and I've blown this out of the water. So it's something that's going to continually evolve with um, with your business as it grows. So even though you might be a sole proprietor um, where it's just, you know, a one one person show, it still gives you a roadmap to follow and something to be held accountable to in order to move forward within your business. So I it really is like important. that. Mm-hmm. I really like that. It's almost like your dream document. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. okay to write down your dream document. And it sounds like there's going to be some numbers on there. I mean, yeah. it, it, that always makes me kind of sad. I hate spreadsheets, but it, we have we have to do some projections. So it's a great way to at least uh, write down what you're looking for. And, and I like your concept of it keeps you accountable as well. Mm-hmm. So it's also something for you because I think when we're preparing a document, if we're preparing it for somebody else, there's less meaning there. But if you're preparing it also for yourself, um, it's it's something that you can use and therefore it, there's a much deeper meaning to that document. Yeah, for sure. And obviously with me being a banker, the, the number side of the business plan itself within the projections, it's something we can look back on a year from now and say, well, did you meet these goals? Did you exceed these goals? Or did you not at all? And what was the reason why? And then maybe at that point, we could provide some advice for you around, you know, key performance indicators with a bit of a word Mm -hmm. that I can get into a little bit later as well. But um, is there things that you're not meeting and why can we dig into that to try to help you become more profitable? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, often people are driven by you know, what are your total sales for the year? Well, that that number is important, but really what you keep in your genes at the end of the day mm-hmm. is what allows you to grow your business in the future. So that bottom number, the net income, um, is really something that should drive your business forward into the future and help you grow to your next level. But the the 
the actual cash flow projection is something that the bank is really going to be interested in seeing, especially if you're coming to us to look for financing, because we're going to want to make sure that you are going to be able to afford um, whatever payment that you're going to have for whatever type of loan you're looking for. Um, and if you can't afford that based on your projections, well, how are you going to cover that? So is there a loss at the end of the day? And if, if, that's the case, then maybe you need to look at putting some more money into your initial startup projections in order to make sure that you're going to be able to move into the next year and become more profitable that year. So um, it's not just about looking at, okay, how do we get the doors open? It's about looking at over the next two years at a minimum. Um, how do we keep said doors open? Mm -hmm. So do we need to make sure that there's enough working capital input at the beginning um, in order to get us through those first two years? So, you know, as daunting as a cash flow projection can sound, it really is going to be one of your best guiding lights into making sure that you're going to be successful going forward into the future and not living in the denial of not knowing <laughs> your numbers. Mm -hmm. So um, that's actually uh, something I'll get into here in a little bit as well is making sure that you're aware of your numbers. <laughs> Well, and I like the fact that this is sort of a team effort because I feel like sometimes when I meet with entrepreneurs or young business owners, they feel like they have to do it all by themselves. And I'm a huge proponent of get your team together. And you might need different people on your team depending on what stage of business that you're at. But it's not that you have to look at your banker or your financial institution as being on the opposing side of your team. They're actually part of your team. And if you don't, if you just talk to them from the front end, I mean, all the words that you're saying about, well, let's see if we can figure out how to keep your doors open and what can we tweak to make the cash flow better. If I think that's really important for people to understand. And if you don't feel comfortable with any of the advisor you're working with, you need to get a new advisor and that's okay because yeah. everybody is going to feel different with different people depending on your personality. Yeah. Oh, I could just give you a hug through this computer screen. Um, <laughs> so something that's so, so important is establishing your team. And that maybe sounds silly at the beginning of starting a business, but creating your, your team of professionals right off the hop. So your lawyer, your accountant, your banker, maybe you've got somebody within the industry that's willing to work with you as a mentor um, and, and a bookkeeper. Maybe you need to hire a bookkeeper, right? Let's establish that professional team of people that you can rely on and lean on for advice because they've seen this happen many, many times before. But uh, you you kind of bring up a good point there too in, in, in the sense that you don't have to do it all on your own. Um, these people have resources that they can draw from, right? And connect mm -hmm. you to others, uh, maybe even in the same industry. And that's something that I think... Um, you've actually even said it, we become people connectors um, and, and link you to others that may have some insight or some information that would be really great for you to, to, to feed off of for starting your business or growing your business. So yeah, getting that team together is really, really important um, to make sure that you have others to lean on going forward. 
Well, and I think people are often afraid that there's going to be too much of a cost. And I think that's what I hear is, well, I can't keep all these people on retainer. And it's like, well, you're not necessarily keeping us all on retainer. It's just that you have someone to call if you need us. And I think that's really important is just to know that it doesn't mean that you're paying us all a monthly fee. It's I have people that I trust that are in my corner that I can pick up the phone and ask, what will this cost? What do I need to do? And that's the key. And I think that you know, having your business plan and having your banker on side especially early on in the business and then in growth stages is so, so key. Yeah, definitely something that, you know, I try to stay aware of as well. And throughout my career, I've noticed it too. Um, People sometimes really find the bank a really scary and intimidating place. Um, And we as bankers need to remember that because it sometimes takes a lot of courage to come to us and and tell us what's going on, especially if it's not the ideal situation. Um, So it's tough talking to bankers some days. But what we would like to put out there is that that's not the environment we want to foster. We want you to come to us when you do need us or or hopefully before that point. So really keeping an open, comfortable, trusting dialogue is going to be really important in our relationship and helping you grow your business and maybe avoid um, some pitfalls that you might end up in uh, if you weren't, you know, you were trying to avoid speaking to us about it. But we really are trying to help you and we really want to try to help get you to the next level. Um, So yeah, so don't be scared of your banker, please. Uh, I think that's such a good point to raise because it's sort of how I feel when I'm dealing with clients who are scared to call CRA because they've had bad experiences and there's a certain way to approach things and it doesn't always have to be so scary. So thank you very much for for that reminder. But I I totally got you off track and I interrupted you and I got excited talking about teamwork. And uh, so you were you were talking about new entrepreneurs coming to see you. You started talking about a business plan. Uh, where were you going to go before I interrupted you? I'm sorry. Um, I just wanted to make sure that everybody was aware of kind of what sort of content should be in your business plan. But in addition to what you said with the, with the cash flow projection, um, most institutions have templates for business plans too, including my own. Um, and so it should give you a general outlay of the different um, types of contents that should be within there. But I guess to, to kind of summarize what should be in a business plan itself, you really want to have a, a very clear understanding of what it is you're doing, who you are, um, what makes your business unique, um, who is your target market that you're working with, what's your objective for your company, or what sort of need are you servicing, um, what is your background, and what sort of time frames are we looking at for this business. So that can be very different depending on if you're a product or service. But um, things to think about and maybe pitfalls to avoid is being a little bit too ambitious. Um, you should be able to justify any assumptions that you've made um, within your projections as well. So when your banker goes to ask you specific questions around your projections and how you created those, you need to have some information in order to back that up with us. So if I wrote a cash flow projection, I said, Candace, I'm going to make $100,000 in profits next year. That would be an assumption that you'd need me to back up. Uh, yes, that's correct. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I should say I'm going to make it from this podcast, right? Which I make zero from this podcast right now. And so then what types of, of documentation then would somebody need to gather to be able to back up an assumption like that? 
So you would just need to have some really good market research around your product Mm. and service. So um, if you, whatever your, whatever your pricing strategy is for your business, make sure it's really, it makes sense. Um, So maybe there's some research that you've done there. And then um, you really need to have a clear idea as to within your, your marketing strategy is wrapped into that too, right? So I'm going to reach 100,000 people with my marketing. And out of that 100,000, um, 50,000 are going to be engaged within that marketing and go to my website or something like that. And then once they get to my website, then maybe it's dropped to 2,000 people that have actively either reached out to me through the website itself, like a phone call or email, or maybe if you're offering a product through your website, put something in their shopping cart. And then from that point, from those 2,000 people, what is my my end, I guess, grouping of people that have actually purchased something? So really have a having a clear understanding of your sales process and what it takes from getting people aware to engage to actually purchasing your product. So that would drive your your top line revenue. So what are my total sales going to be? And that's driven from that process. And then what are my expenses to get me to that $100,000 mark? So you do have to do a bit of research and have a really good idea as to what your sales process would look like in order to actually get results within your business. So you ha- And you would want to get into business without knowing that. You wouldn't want to invest your time or your money um, into something that you didn't know was going to be profitable. So if you're not willing to really spend that time to do the research to make sure that you're going to make money at the end of the day, you maybe shouldn't venture that far yet until you've actually got that data in place to give you that confidence too. It's not just the bank because you're not starting this business just because. You're starting this business because you want to do this for you and you want to make money in the end. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. That was very helpful because that was, I think, something that might be going through other people's heads too. How do I prove my assumptions? Okay. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, something else I wanted to, to briefly touch on here as well is to, to make sure in your local market that you're utilizing your partners that are available to you. So to our local listeners in Saskatoon, we have a really great um, community for entrepreneurs, but specifically we have a group in Saskatoon called Square One, and they help a lot of our entrepreneurs from that start phase. How do I create a business plan? What should be in a business plan? So across the country, there are groups that do this same type of thing. Um, We have collaborative groups such as WESC, so Women Entrepreneurs of Saskatchewan, that they can help with things like that. So utilize your local supports that you have as well, um, including your bank, your lawyer, accountants, et cetera. So we have those people that are in place that are there to help you get started. Um, so that's, that's one piece I wanted to quickly mention there. And something else we get a lot of questions on often is about grants. Um, mm. I'm starting a business is there any grants that I can apply for? And honestly, it's, it's, it's an extremely, extremely common question that I get. Um, 
one of the best resources I've found is actually through Square One, and it's the Sarita uh, Sask Biz Grid. So that might be something we want to include in the show notes as well. So it's a website they have that lists everything. So federal and provincial grants. So it's a really easy kind of one-stop shop to see if there's anything currently active for grants that you might be eligible for from from like agriculture to to technology with collabs, it's all it's all within that one website. So a lot of people who are starting businesses, that's one of their very first questions. What grants am I eligible for? They're always changing, but this is a really good resource to go to. Wonderful. Thank you. We'll mm-hmm. definitely put that in the show notes. So just in the interest of time, I think I, I want to move us to the next topic because I, I'm kind of excited to hear what you're going to say about the growth phase of business. So we've talked a little bit about sort of the brand new entrepreneur and trying to get some of these foundational issues sorted out. But what if you've been in business for a while and now you're starting to look to grow the business? Maybe you're wondering how to increase your sales. What types of things would, would you want to address for those entrepreneurs? Okay. So this is, this can be such a big topic um, because it can go so many different ways. Um, But I guess there's a few things I wanted to really touch on when it comes to, to growing your business and and understanding how to do that. Um, Probably one of the biggest things I want to hit home today is that people really need to have a good understanding of their cash flow. And with that comes to being on top and up to date with your bookkeeping. So one of the biggest pitfalls we see is people not knowing that and being unprepared when it comes to having the working capital they need to take on this big project that they've found or that they've got um, and they don't have the, the capacity to do it. So make sure that you have either employed a really good bookkeeper or you yourself have made, made sure that you put time aside, whether it's daily or weekly, and to stay on top of your books, your invoicing, all of that to make sure that you're very aware of where you're sitting with your cash flow, because that will allow you to plan for the future. So maybe you're bidding on a big contract. Okay, how much are, are my costs going to be with this? What do I need to make sure that I have in place? Do I need to hire? Um, do I need to amp up my inventory? Your cash flow will show you all of that. And the accounting program that you would use as well can help you figure some of that information out too. So again, if you don't know a lot of that information, obviously go to your accountant or your bookkeeper and see if they can kind of help you figure that piece out. And I Um, guess maybe I'll do shameless self-promotion for an early episode of the Tax Chick podcast because I had had a bookkeeper on, Tasha, who's amazing. And she talked a little bit about this. And she also talked about how some people think if they hire a bookkeeper, it's that they have to hire someone to work with them every month. But you can sometimes hire someone to help you get your system set up. And so when I'm hearing you talk here, it seems like that might be an option for some people who can maintain it, but they just need some help getting the system set up. So not to be afraid to reach out because maybe someone can help you get that foundation set up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really important because it'll allow you to to drive a lot of future business decisions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so very important um, is your cash flow and understanding your numbers. And if you don't, 
then seek out those who can who can help you do so. Because really, a lot of our entrepreneurs, um, you've gotten into business because it's something that you're passionate about, or something that you're really skilled in. And maybe you do acknowledge that there's certain knowledge gaps that you might have there, and seeking out people to to help you with those with those gaps specifically. So whether it's in the financing side or the marketing side, um, there are resources, there are people that can help you. You don't have to try to do it all, as you said earlier um, in our conversation. So um, don't be afraid to engage outside partners to come in and help you. So that leads into kind of my next comment, um, partnering. So at my institution uh, and with others, there, people enjoy working together from the standpoint of sharing the risk is what we kind of like mm -hmm. to say. So I might partner with one of our, our lending partners with another financial institution or with WESC or with uh, Clarence Campo. That's another example. Um, there are lots of different lending institutions that might come together with you to move forward into your next growth project as a group. So um, sharing the risk across different areas is definitely something that you can explore. So not only with that grant piece, but there might be other um, opportunities for you to partner with other types of institutions in order to get to your next next position within within your business. So um, that is something I wanted I mentioned earlier as well, um, your key performance indicators. So this is very, very um, I hope it doesn't get too specific. But understanding based on your industry, what is important for you to keep your eye on? So obviously people are gonna wanna keep their, their eye on their sales, but is it is your gross profit margin something you wanna keep your eye on? Is that important when looking at your cost of goods sold? So understand within your industry what you should be paying attention to that will help drive your business forward. So your key performance indicators will be key and that ties right into your, your cash flow. And again, if you are having issues there, then you can come back to one of your trusted advisors and see if there might be some assistance they can offer from that perspective. Well, and even maybe, uh, you know, when you're, when you're saying key performance indicators and you're, you're throwing around some buzzwords <laughs> and, and I, I instantly feel it because this type of tech, this type of discussion is I find something that doesn't make me comfortable. It's not words that I use every day. And so I'm sure other people are thinking this too. And so I think it's really important that when, when you're meeting with someone and they're, they're using phraseology like this, you have to feel comfortable saying, I need you to explain this. And so you've done a great job here of explaining it. But this idea of if you're looking at line items on your either your balance sheet or your financial statements and you're just going, I do not understand what I'm looking at, you have to ask the question. And if the person on the other side is not prepared to answer it, you need to find somebody who will because there are a lot of wonderful people out there who are prepared to walk you through that so you understand what the line items are and you know what you're actually looking for because otherwise, how will you know what your key performance indicator is <laughs> if you don't understand what the line items are? And sometimes there's a different way that it can be described that might make more sense to you. Mm -hmm, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And in, in looking at that, yeah, what's what's important to make sure that it's aligned with what you're what you're trying to achieve in the end right mm -hmm. don't be scared to ask the question um and and 
whomever you're speaking to obviously can give you give you a good answer and give you some good direction there. So yeah, so definitely buzzwords for sure. So sorry about mm-hmm. that. But <laughs> nope, I liked it. I feel smarter now. I feel like I learned something. I have to figure out some way to throw that phrase into a conversation now this week. <laughs> uh, yeah, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, it definitely is um it's important, um, especially when you are trying to grow your business. So yes, it's it's yes. good to know what you should be benchmarking against and what's specifically important for your particular business itself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we've done key performance indicators, mm-hmm. but what else would, would be something that you would sort of be raising with somebody in the growth stage of their business? Mm-hmm. So... I definitely would want to touch on as well your your employees. So um, invest in the people that you you have employed with you. So is there things that you can delegate to them to free up your time to grow? X part of your business, right? So are there things that you're doing that somebody else could do? So trust them. You've obviously hired them for a reason and um, give them, give them the power to, to do it, to take over that, that piece there. Um, One of the hardest parts for entrepreneurs, I think as part of their soul or their being is, uh, is to delegate. (laughs) Um, So don't be afraid of doing that, delegating your different responsibilities to some of your key employees, because they're likely gonna stay with you if you've had them throughout a period of time anyhow. Well, hi there. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope that you're enjoying this episode. I wanted to take a few minutes to explain who I am and why I started this podcast. So I am a tax lawyer. I am based in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. I fell into the practice of tax law despite having a lifelong hatred of spreadsheets, math, and numbers in general. I feel pretty lucky because my day job allows me to have conversations with some amazing people who are very knowledgeable in their areas of practice. I thought it might be fun to share some of these conversations with you. I know the tax can be complex, but there are some basic foundational principles and key information that you deserve to understand and to know. I hope that when you finish listening to each episode, you feel like you have learned at least one thing that will be helpful to you in your day-to-day life, and maybe we will have even made you laugh. If you're interested in learning more about The Tax Chick, I also have a weekly blog called The Tax Chick Blog. And if you're on Instagram, please follow me with the handle at tax.chick. Enough about me. Back to the episode. So don't be afraid to invest in the people that you have. So when they grow your business will grow at the same time because you're giving them more responsibility and more overall control. So this will allow them to be a little bit more engaged and allow them to, to I guess, be more invested in the success of the, of the ongoing success, success of the company itself. So um, one of the uh, interesting pieces that I always I always think about. There's there's this event in Saskatoon, and it's normally held 
annually, but with COVID, obviously we haven't been able to, to do that. But um, Merlis Belcher spoke at it. And one of the things he said was um, hire slow and fire fast. And that's something that stuck with me for a really long time because, you know, one of the reasons he um, attributed to being so successful is because he was able to take the time to find the right people um, that worked with his corporate culture or worked well with the group that he had there. And so I think that's really important. So when you take the time to hire the right people, um, you're definitely employing those people that are going to want to see your business succeed. And when you have people that are employed by you that aren't working out, don't waste your time, move on, don't waste their time, right? Maybe it's not a good fit for everybody. But uh, in growing your business, your people that you have uh, working for you or working with you are going to be really important in, in, I guess, the continuation of the growth within your business, because they're going to become more invested in, uh, in wanting to see it move forward, I guess, right? Um, and make sure those people that you've got on your team too are very complementary to the skill set that you have as well. Like I said, you, you are an entrepreneur for a reason. There's a certain skill set that you have that you've said, hey, I need to start this business for me. I need to do this. And then surround yourself with people that might fill those skill gaps that you have. So, your people are going to be really important when it comes to growing your business. And so that's an important thing to, to think about. Um, something else I want to mention was technology too. We're going through such a crazy time right now where everybody's utilizing so many different forms of technology, but making sure that you're constantly evolving your business so that you have kind of the, not necessarily the latest and greatest, but that you're keeping up to date with things that are going to help you become more productive and more efficient uh, because that's what technology is there for, right? It's allowing people to be more efficient and get faster at what they're doing and be more productive. Maybe it's creating more units of whatever product that they're doing mm -hmm. or, or, you know, offering more services, whatever it might be. Technology is key as well. I just rhymed and I didn't mean to. Uh, that was good. Look at this. <laughs> a banker and a poet. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, and then I think the, the final piece that I wanted to mention in growing your business. So obviously, um, strategy is a really important piece. So really understanding where you want to go, why you want to go there, and making sure everybody is on the same page so that you don't have conflicting strategies. Um, and that doesn't just mean within your team at your workplace or people that are employed at your workplace. Yes, that means those people need to be on the same page, especially key employees, but that also means your professionals your financial partners, whoever else is involved from that perspective. So that means your accountant and your banker, they need to be on the same page when it comes to moving forward. Because as much as you know, you might want to deny or to not stay in the know of, your financials are going to drive a lot about what a bank is going to be willing to do for you. So sometimes your accountant might have to have a different strategy with your financials if you're trying to grow and are going to need funding 
than if you weren't, right? So mm -hmm. obviously you can maybe have an accountant on to talk about that because that's I'm not an accountant by any means, so I don't want to give any sort of advice there. Um, but you need to make sure everybody is on the same page in order to make sure that you're able to get to that next level, especially if you're going to need funding to do so. Mm -hmm. That is an excellent point because I feel like I see that so often in the lawyer's office where the client comes in and they've got this funding package and I say, well, how does this interrelate with what you did two years ago? Or does this bank know about this bank? And have you told your accountant, can you get your financial statements done in 60 days from year end? <laughs> you know, have you looked at these ratios? Do you know what a ratio is? Has anybody checked this? And there's no often communication and, and you'll have the banker often saying, you know, I want to get in touch with this person, or you may have the accountant saying it the other way, but the client doesn't see the importance of having both those people together. So I think that's an excellent, excellent point to raise. Mm -hmm. And you know what, I've been in many situations where I have gone to the lawyer's office or the accountant's office, or maybe joined a call so that we can all have a very mm -hmm. open upfront um, conversation about what things look like. So obviously the the, the business owner, the entrepreneur would bring us all together and we could have a very candid conversation as to this is what the bank typically would expect to see um, and this is where we're at. So having that very candid conversation, I myself I have no problem doing something like that, especially if it's going to help you get to the next level that you need to get into. So again, don't be scared to talk to your banker. That's right. <laughs> Don't be scared to ask, right? Yeah. I mean, what what's the worst that can happen? And, and I've really appreciated being a part of some of those meetings before because I find it's also very instructive as the lawyer. If I'm trying to be preparing documents or explaining documents to the client, if I've heard what the bank's looking for, then that helps me to be able to educate the client. And then we all kind of move in the same direction. So great point. Great mm -hmm. point. For sure. Well, I'm wondering if we can do a quick wrap up by you giving some of your top tips for entrepreneurs. Okay. I feel okay. like this is like, what is this like David Letterman, like the top 10? Like what, <laughs> what are we, what are we doing? Or is it top three? I don't know. <laughs> yes, I have, I have three and I, I may have hit two home already at this point, but something I didn't uh, talk too, too much about yet, but which is very, very important um, when starting a business, and this is a bit of a passion project for me. So for those of you who need help on this, I'm more than happy to give you some advice. But um, the first tip I have that's really important is understanding the importance of your personal credit history. So when you're starting a business, um, typically you're not going to come to the bank asking for a million dollars. You might be asking for, you know, upwards of 200, 250,000, something like that. But understanding your personal credit history is going to be so important at that point. Because, you know, other than your business plan, your personal credit history is the only thing that has any sort of historical information that the bank can see how you've repaid loans in the past. So, what you can do, and a lot of our big federal institutions now have, our financial institutions now have the ability for you to log into your personal online banking through your computer, not through the app on your phone, mm -hmm. and access your personal credit report at no cost to you, and not, it won't 
per se ding your credit score. Ah. So, you know, I personally deal with RBC and I can go in and I can look at my TransUnion credit history report and it'll show me what's actively reporting right now, what my balances are, if I have any missed payments, what closed credit facilities there are, who's inquired recently on my credit bureau, if my information's correct, things like your date of birth, your address, and even your name. Because believe it or not, there's lots of people out there who have the same names, and sometimes their credit bureaus get intertwined, and sometimes Mm. that other person's credit bureau isn't so good. So understanding your personal credit history is so important at that first initial step. So see if your um, financial institution has the ability for you to like see it through your online banking. And if they don't, then you can just go through like transunion.ca and you can sign up for a, um, a profile through them and you can view your credit history there and make sure everything's kind of up to snuff. Um, and even, um, you know, some people may have had parking tickets that they forgot about or um, cell phone balances that they may have forgot <laughs> about. Right. Um, and they may have collections that show up on their credit bureau uh, that they weren't aware of. So it's nice to, before you even get to that, the bank doors, pull your credit or look at your credit history before you even get there. See if there's anything on there that shouldn't be there or something that's reporting incorrectly, even missed payments, right? That's something you want to be like, I never missed payment on my credit card. Why does it show I've been late three times, like three 30-day late payments? Um, and usually the, the websites for Equifax and TransUnion, they, they have um, kind of a, a guide as to how, you're, how to read your credit report. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, like... I can help too. I don't mind. It's a bit of a passion project for mine, for me. I think it's really important. And you know what? It's actually really not that hard to rebuild your credit history once you understand what's impacting it. So something a lot of people don't realize that um, if you have one of those home equity lines of credit and that's your only like mortgage, you don't have an actual mortgage, you just have a really big line of credit. Um, The longer that credit line stays just kind of hovering at that really large balance, it starts really impacting your credit rating. So um, if you have the ability to flip it into something that's going to be repaid and come down over time, that's going to be more helpful for your to improve your credit score if, if your credit score isn't where you need it to be. Um, same thing with credit cards. A high balance credit card that's not getting paid down is going to keep knocking your credit score down over and over again. So really understanding what's impacting your score and how can I improve it. It doesn't take that long to do it. So it's just really understanding what is it. So I can help I'm there. like, I'm going to run to my online bank account after <laughs> we finish this call because we're in the process of trying to get some financing for a new house. So I'm like, I wonder what mine looks like. I feel like I'm going to log on to RBC and learn about this. I did not know that you could do that. So that is very good information. I really appreciate that because I think there is a lot of misinformation out there about credit scores and, and whether you can check and what it looks like and how to read it and can you fix it yes. if it's not good. So I that's an excellent tip. Yeah, for sure. And like, 
it's not going to take you years and years and years to fix your credit score. Um, it might take you six months, three months, depends on what, what the current score is itself. But the easy, it is easy to identify what's impacting it. And then hopefully it's easy to correct that. Um, so it, credit history is really important. And, uh, yeah, I really want to hit that home. That's going to, that's going to help a lot of people, um, when they're looking at starting a business. Oh, thank you. Oh, that was such a, that was such a great tip. Are we ending it there? Are we going to end it with a bang or did you have some other tips that you wanted to bring home first? Well, the other, the other two, like I said, I think I kind of already hit it home with a couple of them, but, um, make sure your team of professionals are all on the same page when you're trying to grow your business. Um, especially when it comes to your financial information. So that was my other one. And then the final one was around your cash flow, understanding your cash flow, but most importantly, keeping on top of your bookkeeping. Don't leave it to, you know, I do my bookkeeping once a year. Please don't do that. Um, please keep it up to date because that will allow you to make business decisions going forward. Can I take on this contract? Should I add this next product or service to my business? Um, your cash flow will tell you so, so, so much. Even maybe, hey, can I take out some extra money because I've been putting all these hours in and I really haven't paid myself that much over the last couple of years? Do I have the capacity to do that? Well, hopefully that's the case, right? Maybe you need a vacation. Mm -hmm. Who doesn't mm -hmm. need a vacation? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, this was so great. I really enjoyed this conversation. I learned a lot. I always learn something from my guests. Thank you so much for your time today. Mm -hmm. It was lovely. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, if there's, if there's any other questions, fire them my way. I'm happy to help. Wonderful. Well, what we'll do is we'll put some uh, of this information in the show notes so that people know how to reach you and also some of the resources that you've you've identified. And I feel like that there's another episode brewing. Like I feel like we <laughs> need to come back for part two. So uh, this was really wonderful. And thank you so much for being a guest today. Thank you. I had a great time, Amanda. Well, that is all we have time for today, folks. I hope we gave you some food for thought or at least made you smile. Please see the show notes for any resource material that we referenced throughout the episode and to find out more about today's guest. If you have an idea for a future episode or a burning question you would like to see discussed, please send me an email at thetaxchickpodcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, then please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and click subscribe to be notified when new episodes are posted. Please note that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast episode belong solely to the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the speaker's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. In addition, the information provided and discussed in this podcast is not legal advice. We encourage you to consult with your legal advisor for specific advice.